Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George, where each week we try to take something that can be a little bit difficult and simplify it as much as one possibly can. Or in other words, make real life simple. Today, we're going to try something brand new we've never done before, and I'll get into what that is here in just a moment. But as always, we are sponsored by Compassion International. Compassion is an incredible organization that I've had the privilege of seeing firsthand how it works. I had a chance several years ago to take a trip with the former CEO of Compassion, a guy by the name of Wes Stafford, who is a rock star in the world of philanthropy and of literally changing people's lives. Compassion is an organization that works with third world countries, children in need, and when you sponsor a child through Compassion, they get medical care, they get education, uh, they get food, and they get resources they would not normally have access to. Now, I know some of the pushback on this is, well, don't those kids have multiple sponsors and so my impact really doesn't matter? Not with compassion. Your sponsorship is their only sponsorship. Well, doesn't most of that money I send in go to the organization? Not so with compassion. At least 90% of all resources given through your sponsorship goes directly to that child and all of the provision for that child. Well, what about the rest of their family? I mean, don't they need help too? Did you know that the resources given to one child through a Compassion sponsorship pretty much take care of the entire family? Now, I know the other pushback is, how do I make sure this money actually gets to the child? Well, I have been on location. I have met the children that we sponsor, and I have seen their gratitude for the ways their lives have changed. In fact, we had a chance to interview two previous Compassion students that are now grown adults and making a huge impact in the world. And those are on bonus episodes of the podcast. You can go back and listen to those. But these incredible, incredible individuals will tell you not only how much the sponsorship meant to them, how much it changed their lives, but also how much the letters and the interaction with their host families meant for them. Friends, I used to be a skeptic. I used to be a reluctant sponsor, but now I am a devoted follower of this idea. Your sponsorship of around 40 bucks a month can literally change somebody's life. So if you haven't, I want you to do that today. Would you go to Compassion International in order to get more information? Or if you're ready to sponsor, compassion.com slash rusty to sponsor a child. I know we have talked about this a lot, but my prayer is that you would do this because in the moment you do, you're going to change somebody's future. You're going to change their lives. And if you listen to any of those episodes that we've talked about it before, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. My wife and I, we sponsor a child. Each of my daughters sponsor kids, and we have been so blessed by knowing the sponsorship that we have over there. So make sure you do that today, compassion.com slash rusty. It's our passion to sponsor a thousand kids, uh, many of whom were left out in the sponsorship process because COVID set everybody back for some time. Well, today we're going to try something brand new. 
I don't have a guest with me today. I don't have my co-host Brad with me today. It's just you and me. We're going to have a conversation. And let me tell you where this came from. Years ago, somebody told me about a podcast I should listen to, and it's simply called How I Built This. It's a fascinating podcast where they interview entrepreneurs and how they built various companies. I remember listening to the podcast of the uh, 1-800-GOT-JUNK individual who started uh, with a couple of trucks and got this thing up and running and made it into a uh, a multi-million dollar company now uh, around, um, I think, the entire world. It's an incredible company. I remember listening to uh, the person that discovered Lady Gaga and how they kind of built her brand uh, and many other conversations with people about how they built their companies. And I'm thinking about the number of church conferences I've been to or leadership uh, conversations I've listened into or even books that I've read. And typically, they are a how I built this kind of story, how I built this church, how I grew this ministry, how I built this company, how I built this job, how I became the leader that I am. And I thought, boy, that's really interesting to learn from everybody's successes, but I tend to learn best from people's failures. I mean, don't you? Don't you look at people's lives and think, hmm, that's a cautionary tale. Don't you hear the stories of people that gambled and lost on various investments and think, hmm, I should keep that in mind. In fact, I think that we all are smart if we learn from people's successes, but we're wise if we learn from people's failures. It saves us a world of hurt. So I just got to thinking and talking with a few friends, what if there was a podcast called How I Broke This and How I Made Mistakes and we shared some of our worst failures? One of my favorite questions to ask on a podcast is, hey, what's the last thing you did you failed at? Uh, I was so impressed with Brian Tome's answer a few episodes ago where he immediately knew what I was talking about and went directly to a decision he had made on having somebody speak on a very sensitive subject matter. I think about people that I've learned from that tell me, boy, I really botched this or I made a mistake here. I think about mentors in my life like uh, Mike Bro or uh, different people that I've worked for over the years. And I listen to them tell me about, you know, uh, failures that they've made, mistakes they've made. And I thought, boy, I've got a literal journal filled with mistakes that I've made. And if I could share some of these and keep people out of harm's way, keep people from making the same mistakes that I've made, uh, I think it would be worth the pain that I went through if I can somehow encourage somebody else uh, from that. I remember a conversation that I had with a pastor friend of mine. I was down in the dumps because somebody had left our church and, and kind of set fire to everything as they left. They, they broke my heart because I thought we were close friends. And I was telling this pastor friend of mine about it, and, and he listened very empathetically and sympathetically. And then he tells me his story about how a close uh, family to their family, a family whom they would go on vacations with and have Sunday dinners with and uh, swim in the pool with and kids grew up together with, out of the blue decided to leave their church and blow them up for not being near as spiritual as they thought they should be how devastating this was to him, how devastating this was to his family. And I remember thinking, boy, I I resonate with that. And I I feel so much better hearing his pain. And I said, what's the lesson from that? And he said, I don't know, but if it encourages you, it was worth it. 
I thought, wow, talk about taking one for the team. That's incredible that he'd be willing to go through that level of misery just to be able to share that story so somebody else could be encouraged. My hope is over the course of this episode and future episodes that you'll get a little bit of that from me. Friends, I've made a ton of mistakes, some that people have been gracious enough to forgive me for, and some that people have been upset enough with me to walk away, but I'm grateful for the grace and mercy of Jesus. And so what I want to do today is share my first segment of not how I built this, but how I broke this, how I made a mess of something, and some lessons that I learned, and hopefully some lessons that you can learn in your church or in your business. Today, I want to talk about this, how I broke hiring. Here's what I mean by that. I am a person that loves to give people good news. And sometimes the best news I could give to somebody is, we're going to hire you. You want to work here? You want to work at this church? You want to work in one of our churches? You want to be on our staff? I have the pleasure of giving you the good news. You're hired. I like being able to pick a diamond out of the rough. I like being able to find that protege that could step forward and be kind of that, the person that everybody else overlooked and they become a prodigy. I love being able to find somebody that everybody else neglected and thought could never amount to anything and then hire them and see them become something of tremendous value. I think about the way that I have found when people have added value to my life. I think about the first person that hired me in a local ministry and gave me the chance, and I'm forever indebted to Monty Wilkinson for doing that. I think about the way that Mike Bro gave me opportunities to teach on the weekend and the, the input he had in my life, and I'm forever grateful for that, and I long to do that with other people. I love to have the opportunity to look someone in the eye over a cup of coffee or over lunch and say, hey, what do you think about working here? And I love it when their eyes light up, and I love to go back to them and say, you're hired. But because of that, I've made some bad, bad decisions. I want to tell you about how I broke some things and maybe give you some cautionary tales. In fact, because of my love of giving people good news, I often race over the concerning news. I heard somebody say it this way one time, have a long hello and a quick goodbye. In the past, I found it very easy to hire people quickly. Hey, we need you. You want to be here? You're hired. I'll train you along the way. Well, what I was forgetting was there's some vital pieces involved to bringing somebody onto your staff. I, I heard it said this way, there are three C's everyone should look for when it comes to hiring somebody, especially at a church. And I would say these are for anywhere. The first one is character. Who is this person when, you know, the lights aren't on, when they're not on stage? Who are they when no one is looking? What's their integrity like? Are they the kind of person that they do the right thing even if nobody notices? It's kind of hard to figure out sometimes. People are really good at interviewing sometimes. But are they a person of character? The second one is chemistry. Do they fit with the team? Is this somebody that you'd want to spend a long weekend with? Is this somebody you'd want in your foursome while playing golf? Is this somebody that the other team members like and want to hang out with? 
The third one is this, competency. Can they even do the job? Do they know what they're talking about? Do they have any expertise in it? I don't need perfection, but do they have at least some skill set to pull off what we're asking them to do? I've nodded at those three C's before, but let me tell you a couple of mistakes that I've made. One is I have sometimes put competency over chemistry. What I've done is I've looked at that person and thought they have good character and they don't really get along with everybody, but they sure know how to do the job. Maybe they've got incredible talent. Maybe they've come from another organization or another church that they have succeeded where they've been before. They were a rock star. And for one reason or another, they're no longer there. They'll fit great here. In other words, it's what I like to call the Dwight Howard approach. For those of you that aren't familiar with Dwight Howard and the NBA and basketball, well, let me just explain. Dwight Howard was a phenom of a basketball player. The Lakers went out and got him, traded a bunch of people in order to get him, and he came in with high competency, no chemistry. It made a mess of the organization. He and Kobe couldn't get along. They did not win, and he was gone in a year. Now, several years later, he was humbled. He came back, and he played so well with LeBron in kind of a secondary role, having great chemistry, that his competency was, even though it was a bit diminished, it made up for by his chemistry, and they won a title. Now, what I've learned is I can't put competency over chemistry. These people have to work with other team members. I often am asked this question, uh, do they have any friends on staff? And that's a great question. I like to go back to their previous places of employment now and ask, hey, tell me about their three or four friends on staff. If they had none, that tells me they may not have great chemistry with their team, no matter how competent they are. When they come in for interviews now, rather than just me reading their resume or them reading their resume to us, I like to put them in a lot of social situations with other staff members so they can figure out, is this person a person I like to hang out with? Can I work with this person? Can I learn from this person? Is there any chemistry there? So one mistake I've made in the past is competency over chemistry. Just because they're the smartest person in the room doesn't mean anybody else wants them in the room. So you got to figure that one out. The second idea is this. Sometimes I put chemistry over character. I kind of had this feeling that, you know what? They get along with everybody. Everybody loves them. They're a leader in our church, meaning they serve in some capacity, and they'll grow into their character. They just need to be held accountable a little bit better. They just need to be, you know, in a, a more of a Christian environment. That will just grow them up. They'll be doing great. And really, ministry is just a vice that squeezes whatever's in you out of you. I mean, when you decide to become part of a church staff, it just turns up the heat on your personal life because now you're a target for the enemy. Not to say he didn't care about you when you were a plumber or when you were uh, working at a restaurant before, but now that you're working at a church that his mission is to help people find and follow Jesus, the enemy comes after you and it will get all over your character. I watched people who had great chemistry on staff not be able to keep up with their character. They tried to laugh it off and act like, well, we're all buddies and boys will be boys and it really doesn't matter. But in the end, it got them. 
I think about a couple people in particular who were really good friends on staff and then fell into horrible personal decisions. And then they didn't know what to do because they couldn't handle the fact that their character had broken and now was beginning to impact their chemistry. So now I like to figure out who is this person off stage? If they never worked for a church, would they still read their Bible? Are they a person that has high moral integrity? What's their web browser look like? What's their thought life like? What do people say about them? I watch them when we go out to dinner. Do they stare down the server as she walks away? Uh, Are they rude to the help? Do they let other people enter the door first? Do they listen when other people talk or are they just waiting to speak? What is their character truly like? I have found that the three C's are not just random, but they are in this order. Character, chemistry, competency. Well, that's how I broke this. But let me give you one more way that I broke just the hiring process. And that is one C that was lacking from me, and that was clarity. I found that in the early days of hiring, I hired people with a big vision. Come and join this team and help us change the world. Yeah. The problem is, is people have different ideas as to how to change the world. The problem is that if you don't explain to them the boundaries of their responsibilities, they will tend to view it like running a race with no lines. They'll be all over the map. And so I recently had a conversation with somebody who was on our team years ago. I just had one of those feelings one day that I had I'd done them wrong, or there was something that was wrong in our relationship. And there were times I would text this individual and they wouldn't respond. And I just thought, maybe I did something to hurt them. And so I called them. I said, listen, I just feel like there's some issues you and I should discuss. Can you give me some insight as to how I might have hurt you or if you have a beef with me? He listened to me and he said, listen, I did not have the best of experiences when I worked for you. And part of that was my fault, but part of it was your fault. And I guess the piece you could own is this. There was no clarity in my job description when I got there. You know what I'm learning is clarity is kindness. Those of us who hire people love to bring them onto the vision, but they don't execute a vision. They execute a strategy. They execute a job description. My team around me now knows this is a weakness of mine. And so before I go in to hire somebody, and I don't even do that anymore, they clearly, clearly describe the job description. Sometimes I'll get an idea and I say, I think this person would do this job well. Let's move them into that role. To which my team says to me, wait, wait, wait. What's the job description first? Who do they, who do they re- report to? Who, who do they answer to? Who answers to them? What's the scope of their jurisdiction? What are the areas they get to weigh in on? What are the areas they have to own? Let's figure out who's responsible, accountable, who needs to be brought into the discussion. All these things are so important now to bring clarity to that person so they know exactly what they're getting into. I think I've learned so many lessons over the years about hiring, and I've learned that there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. I've learned that there's wisdom in putting people in a variety of situations to figure out how they respond, who they are. I heard of one person that takes somebody out to dinner and purposely pulls the waiter aside ahead of time and says, listen, I want you to screw up their order. I want to see how they react. 
They text them at odd hours of the night to see if they respond. They, they tease them to see if they will be playful or if they get angry. They just want to know chemistry. They want to know character. There's a lot of ways we can figure out competency, but that's really the third thing we should be looking for. And then after we hire them, after they've checked all the boxes of character, chemistry, and competency, then it's our job to make sure that we've been clear, even before we hire them. We give them the clear job description. This is what's expected of you. This is how you win in this organization. I know I haven't always gotten it right. For those out there listening who have felt the pain from that, I apologize. But I'm trying to learn from how I broke this so I don't break it again. And hopefully, you've learned something from this as well. Well, I got a lot of other failures to share with you, and I'll try to drop one of these about once a month or once every six weeks. But next week, we're going to be back to have another conversation with an incredible leader. In fact, this particular individual has so much to say about our leadership and our our ministries and all the things that we could possibly be a part of. And he is a church planter by the name of Matt Allman. He pastors a church down in San Diego. He's doing an amazing job there. And as we get closer to Easter, he's going to give you some promoting and marketing ideas for getting your community excited about Easter at your church, even when you don't have much of a budget. So Matt Allman will be with us next week to talk about how to make promoting Easter simple. And whether you lead a church or a leader in a church, there's going to be something for you in this. Thank you so much for listening. If this helps somebody in your life, please share it with them. Please rate and leave your reviews. That would be great. And submit me a question if you have it or a potential conversation you'd like us to have. And you can DM me, Rusty L. George, on Twitter or on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. And as always, keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you'll get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.